The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. At LensCrafters, we value expertly tailored eye care, provide state-of-the-art eye exams, offer a wide assortment of designer brands and high-quality lenses, because everything we do at LensCrafters is for every site that makes your life special. We offer 50% off lenses with frame purchase. Shop in-store and online. Book your annual eye exam now on LensCrafters.com. LensCrafters, because sight. Eye exams are available at the Independent Doctor of Optometry at or next to LensCrafters. Doctors in some states are employed by LensCrafters. Offer valid to April 2nd, 2023. See associate for details. Welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. Joining me this week is the one, the only, Steve Inchlager. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's going on, man? Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for letting me into your home. <laughs> it would have been a very weird episode. You could do this from a... your house. You've I mean, got all we the could equipment. Have, but it's more fun to come over here. I guess. Uh, so this week, we're talking a new digital release film yes. uh-huh. that was uh, a slam at Sundance. Yes. I got all the people talking. We couldn't get it in our theater, obviously. Too small of a release. Yes. And that movie is dope. Yes, this is uh, 2015. Yep. And this is what I like about, you know, if we had to wait for this to come out onto DVD or, heaven forbid, if we had a dollar theater for it to come to a dollar theater, it would be a long, long time. And the nice thing about what's going on with digital releases is we're getting these relatively soon after... After the movie has arrived. Now, mm-hmm. granted, Sundance was back in January and it's just now sure. uh, hitting North American theaters in June. And then it hit. Um, oh, it hit. Um, I guess there's re-released in September and then hit our thing just like last week. Last week. Two weeks. Yeah. Two, two weeks ago. Yeah. 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 So uh, I'm glad that we have that because otherwise we wouldn't have the opportunity to see these films. Yeah. A long, long time ago uh, when we had VHS mm-hmm. back in the dark days. Right. Um you know, my friend Brian said, oh, man, you've got to check this movie out. It's called Clerks, and it's so freaking hilarious, <laughs> right? It's Kevin Smith's first sure. movie. Well, our local video store only had one copy, and, of course, mm-hmm. then you could check stuff out for four days or something at a time, right. and it was hardly ever in stock. So when you finally got it, it was like, oh, I've got to check this out immediately or put it on reserve or something like that so mm-hmm. you could see it. Uh, Dope is kind of that same way. It's one of those special little films that didn't have a wide release, but yeah. thanks to digital now, it can be viewed and accessed by a, a you know a much larger group of people. Right, and you know, I was reading a, an interview on like Huffington Post when mm-hmm. Doe premiered mm-hmm. at Sundance with the director Rick Femuyiwa, who I I looked for five different interviews <laughs> to try to forget his name right. Yeah, uh, he was talking about apparently because you know uh, Fortis would. Whittaker. Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, Whitaker. Yeah, yeah. Is the one of the executive producers on mm-hmm, the film. Mm-hmm. And he also executive produced a film called Fruitvale Station, which I've been meaning to watch, which stars Michael B. Jordan. Mm, and okay. that they said that these two films suffered kind of not really suffered, but had the same fate where no studio wanted to pick them up. Right. And then they went to Sundance and then people were all jumping all over each other to try mm-hmm. to distribute them. So you know, well, it's I mean, interesting that, that film like that. When, when you think about uh, you know the the way that the film is uh, pitched 
Life changes for Malcolm, a geek who's surviving life in a tough neighborhood after a chance invitation to an underground party leads him and his friends into a Los Angeles adventure. Mm-hmm. Just on that. Sounds very, very generic, generic and yeah. bl- boring and blah. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I, when I first read it, I was just like, that doesn't sound very interesting. Mm-mm. But it's yeah, a the, really good film. And I think, yeah, that description doesn't sound great. Does nothing. But if you watch the trailer, yes. you're like, oh, this is, is, is going to be awesome. I think even the trailer, though, does a bit of a disservice, especially in how the movie mm-hmm. turns and how oh, Malcolm's sure. character turns in this yeah. piece. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I can see why a lot of people aren't interested in this. It, I mean, the, the trailer rides pretty heavy on the geeky aspect in yes. the 90s kind mm-hmm. of throwback aspect mm-hmm. of the film. And then that rides pretty high through the film. But when you get about halfway through, three quarters through your last 15 minutes is when this film yeah. really becomes super something special. Yeah, yeah. So why don't, you run a, why don't you do a rundown of what this movie is about? Right. So uh, Malcolm is our main character for Dope. And he is joined by his two friends, Diggy and Jib, mm-hmm. who are these three uh, kids who are growing up in Inglewood mm-hmm. in a, uh, what's the part of it? Like called the bottom, yeah. is where I believe they're from. And they're all these 90 hip hop geeks. They, they love watch, everything about yeah, that. They right? all love all the 90s. They have all these MTV uh, raps yeah. uh, things on VHS they've been watching so they can get their clothes just mm-hmm. right. They go to re- album stores so they can find mm-hmm. old hip-hop vinyls. And so that's kind of their thing. They're, they're, the, they're the geeks of the place. But they're also very nerdy. Absolutely. Uh, they're very smart very kids. Smart. Uh, Malcolm is trying to get into Harvard mm-hmm. uh, that we find at the beginning of the movie. And um, they have their own punk band. Right. Which Oreo. is interesting too. Oreo. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And it, it totally feels like a weird 90s thing to do everyone's like let's mm-hmm. listen to rap and they're like mm-hmm. well we like rap but we're gonna do this weird punk rock rap thing yeah yeah uh which the song which is i think by um uh what's his name pharrell, pharrell williams did, all the music. Did, did the music and i think yeah. he wrote that song mm-hmm. with um uh i want to say asap rocky also yep. co-wrote that the mm-hmm. main song that they sing yeah as a group which i found it's very I mean, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good song. It's it's nice. Uh, you know, there is music throughout this film. And yes. like Malcolm and his friends that have the band, uh, I was watching the extras on iTunes, and they actually made them sing all the stuff. Oh, so all their vocals for all the original music, yeah, obviously, yeah. they're the ones that actually oh, had to cool. do all of it. So they showed them in the studio with Pharrell, and they're all yeah. like dancing and stuff. Oh, that's so it's cool. great. So music is a huge influence throughout this entire film. And, and people are like, what Pharrell? What, Forrest Whitaker, what are we talking about? In addition to that, Forrest Whitaker, uh, Pharrell, and uh, Sean Combs Mm -hmm. were all producers on this piece. And there's some other big names that um, contributed to this movie as well. Right. Well, and you said Aesop Rocky, who's Mm -hmm. a really famous rapper Mm -hmm. uh, right now. He's actually in the film as one of the main characters, Dom, who's a drug dealer in Mm -hmm. Inglewood. Mm -hmm. He plays a pretty critical role in the film. And, And, you know, that's one of the interesting things about the three characters at the beginning of the film. They are doing everything that they can to stay away from drug life and mm-hmm. criminal activities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, avoiding everybody when they can, even if that means occasionally having to take a beating at school by the, you know, the local jock uh, bully. Jocks or the bloods. Yeah, yeah. Whichever, whichever that is that day. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you're kind of got a little hope for these guys. But at the same time, you know, a... Uh, you know, I used to have a flat top like uh, Malcolm did. Yeah, it's awesome. I know. <laughs> and uh, But I know what happened with that. And, and he did get picked on a lot. And right. so when he finally has a chance, there's a girl in the neighborhood that he's totally in love with. Right. 
And when Dom tells him, hey, man, I want you to go talk to this girl and get her to come to my party and I want you to come to my party and all this stuff, that's when things go south for poor Malcolm and his friends. Right. They end up going to this drug dealer's birthday party in the club. Uh, There's some shady drug deals happening in the back. Police bust in. Boom, 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 boom. But is it, be but is it all police? Because it seems no, like the police come police. in late yeah. and it seems like a rival gang oh, arrives yeah. first, starts a shootout, mm-hmm. causing the chaos, and then the police are entering. Malcolm, his friends, and the girl that he's, I forget what her name is. Um, Diggy. Is that her? Diggy, and, Diggy is the girl and Jib. No, no, no. I'm talking oh, about the girl, the girl he's in love with. Oh, oh, I don't remember. Um, but N- uh, Nakia. Yeah. Played uh, by Zoe Kravitz. The next day. Mm-hmm. Malcolm gets a phone call. He's like, where'd this phone come from in my, in my, uh, my backpack? Bag, yeah. And what else does he find? Well, he finds a couple, I don't, I don't know, a kilo, a kilo or a probably. bunch of, a lot of, uh, a little, a lot of Molly, a yeah. little MDMA. Yeah. And, uh, he's in some big old trouble because Dom decided to throw some drugs in his book bag so he wouldn't get caught with drug possession. Malcolm has these, who's going to expect a geeky kid, right. Minglewood, to have a bunch of drugs. Right. That uh, everybody what, likes. Course, I mean, yeah, everybody everyone likes. knows that he's not related, involved in that world at all. Right. And, and, and this is where it gets a little weird because at the start of the movie, Malcolm is wanting to get into Harvard. And so he's he's proposing to his counselor that he write a uh, for his essay. He write a thesis on Ice Cube's A Good Day and, right. and tracking it down to the exact events, events in Ice Cube's life. For this day that it happened. So he had to have done all this research and he thinks he's being very creative and he you know, talks about how you know, this is his lifestyle and he thinks that this would be something that Harvard really wants him to would would find attractive. And right. his counselor's like, no, they're going to find that incredibly stupid. You need to tell them that you're a poor black kid from Inglewood right. and, you know, you have to that you're trying to rise up above all this stuff. Mm. But that's not really how the story turns out for Malcolm. No, he kind of becomes a drug dealer because, you know, he gets a phone call from one guy saying he's got to drop off the lunch in the Red com- in the red Camino in yeah. front of the school. When he's about ready to do that, he gets a call from Dom in jail saying, hey, don't do that. It's either a cop or someone that snitched and they're yeah. going to kill you. Yeah. Uh, don't do that. So then he hooks him up and he goes and he's got to try to, he meets a guy that he's supposed to get the drugs to. AJ. AJ who actually ends up being the person he's supposed to interview with to get into Harvard. Mm-hmm. So it's this Harvard guy who's doing some shady drug deals. Yeah, and he finds out that this guy is is totally just exactly a product of his environment, mm-hmm. a, a drug lord guy right. in Inglewood that is running even kind of a shady business, a credit union kind of yeah. business, a uh, check cashing place. Mm-hmm. But he basically threatens Malcolm and says, look, Dom gave you the dope. You need to sell it, and I want my money. Right. And so through some very creative means, Malcolm does sell this stuff. He does get involved with AJ's daughter. Uh, uh, yeah, Lily. Lily. And uh, she gets, uh, not, I don't want to say overdose, but she gets carried away on the molly. She gets, yeah. And she runs naked through the streets and pees in front of a <laughs> restaurant. And, um, and she keeps screaming, Lily, Lily, Lily. So mm-hmm. the drug gets this name, Lily, and they sell it online, and they're doing all these transactions through the right. dark web and all that stuff. Yeah, it's really interesting. It is from that aspect. That aspect, because especially... Malcolm's first line of dialogue in the entire film is him talking to his mom in the kitchen about Bitcoin and how it's going to be the future of transactions. And then they end up setting up this drug dealing website, uh, help through workaholics co-star Blake Anderson, who's in the film as Mm -hmm. of course a druggie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're selling all this, this Lily, 
uh, for Bitcoin. Yeah. And they're trying to get rid of it. And eventually they do get rid of all of it. And they kind of run this drug thing out of their high school. Yeah. Uh, so eventually, you know, things start clicking together. You think, oh, they're selling all these drugs, selling all these drugs. Um, and then he, I mean, the major twist, if you just want to jump there, is he goes back to the guy he's going to be interviewing with Harvard, throws a fake purse on his desk yeah. with 10 grand of cash in it, says mm-hmm. the other 90% of it is in Bitcoin. And but, oh, by the way, oh, I oh by the you. way, I scammed you so hardcore yeah. and you're going to get found out. Yeah. If you decide to take out all the money at once. Right. So he kind of protects himself that way. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, the only way that you're going to you know, get out of this okay is if you get me into Harvard. Right. And he does get into Harvard. He does get the girl. Um, he does shave off his, his uh, flat top. Right. Um, and then he rewrites his essay to Harvard, basically saying, this is who I am. You've got character A, who's this nerdy, geeky guy. And you've got character B, who is a drug dealer and does all these shady things. Mm-hmm. Who do you want at your school? He's, and then, you know, there's a very long, and this is the last 15 minutes that you're talking about, where he's talking about, you know, if I'm black, if I was white, would you be asking me this question? Right. And it, it really changed a weird tone towards the end. I mean, I don't want to say it's weird because I thought it worked really well, mm-hmm. but it, it just seemed out of the um, the way it's almost like he's shooting a video, but he's actually writing the essay. Right. I yeah, he, they certainly weird. break the fourth wall yeah, yeah, yeah. In, that, in that moment. In that, in that section of when Malcolm starts rewriting his application essay to Harvard, and when he, you know, breaks the fourth wall, addresses the audience, and essentially reads his essay to you, uh, is the moment I have thought about since I've watched this film because it it's so that in one conversation with the girl in the, in uh, that he takes to prom mm-hmm. that he helps in the beginning of the film mm-hmm. kind of tie in a lot of the same things where Malcolm is saying, "Hey, student one is you know all a student likes pop culturary stuff, got a near perfect SAT. Student two. Uh, is from a low-income school with bad teachers and uh, deals drugs. Like, close your eyes now, picture right. where they are. And they're they're right. me. They're right. both me. Mm-hmm. And, and then, so, the whole movie's kind of building towards that, and then a line that Nakia says where you're not, you're, you're not like that. You're complicated. Yeah. Which is this idea that you kind of build through to the whole film. And then, I just thought it was interesting that they just kind of went out and said, hey, this is what we're kind of doing. Like, we're showing you a complicated character mm-hmm. and we're just going to let you have to sit there and deal with it now. Yeah. Now, but I thought that, I don't know. I, I was kind of hoping that Malcolm would have been able to walk on. And, but again, it goes back to the complication of the character. I was really rooting for Malcolm to stay on the side of right and figure this out without having to resort to becoming a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Or after he was done with it, he would have walked away from the life, but he found out that he can't walk away from it because even as he's talking about his essay, he's still, dealing drugs and working with Dom who's out of out of uh jail. Um so it's it's very You know, I went back and watched that that again this yeah, yeah. the day I got off work to do it again. And there is that one quick shot in there of Dom and I can't figure out what he's doing. I can't tell if he's actually selling drugs. Well it what looks he, like he, Malcolm is transferring something that Dom is then right. putting down in his So what I what I what I took for watching the second time, because the first time you think, oh he's still doing this the second time, what I think he gave him was the gun he used to point oh, okay. at the kids that were trying to rob him oh, okay. at the end. So you're saying he's getting out of the life and that's him cleaning up. That I think it, what it was, was Dom was helping him mm-hmm. to make sure he was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's why he got the gun because they never show 
Malcolm ever get a gun in the movie, but then at one point he has it. And so that's what I thought it was yeah, yeah. Um, on upon a second watch. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Uh, I can see that. I mean, but then he, like, he, I don't know if it was an, an, an embrace of the lifestyle or an acknowledgement that that's inside of him and he could slip down that path okay. also. I like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's a really interesting because I asked Aubrey because she watched it with mm-hmm. me and she really enjoyed it also. I was like, did you like that moment? That whole. You no, know, I like his speech. whole direct, his whole, yeah, you, his you whole like discussion, his soliloquy to the audience, yeah. <laughs> I thought was wonderful. I mm-hmm. thought it was really good and I thought it was point on and I thought it was, it hit everything that needed to be said about this character in his life and by extension, other people who have gone through or going through those yeah. uh, life experiences. So I thought it was really, really good and uh-huh. I didn't, it didn't get to the point where it's like, it didn't become preachy, no. uh, which I, I also appreciated mm-hmm. um, and it was it was just spelled out in very plain terms that anyone can understand without trying to, um, without trying to, you know, cover it up in some some other language. So yeah. I thought I thought it was very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was reading in that interview uh, with the director. And he said he was writing this film after the Tray- Trayvon Martin shooting. Yeah, and so especially watching that scene again, yeah, especially when he's putting the, the, the hoodie, hoodie up on, because he yeah. goes, uh, "You ask." You, why do I want to be in the Harvard? Would you even ask me if that was white? And yeah. then he puts the hood on and like yeah. walks away. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it yeah. makes no, way it was, more sense. That now. was kind of that was a little yeah. heavy handed <laughs> right there. But uh, no, I thought it was super well done. Yeah, and I, you know, I mean, directing overall, how do you think, uh, Rick? Oh, did? the directing I thought was fantastic. Yeah. I thought you know the director really had a command of his actors. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know if uh, many of these have done any acting. Uh, Lily, uh, Chanel Inman, mm-hmm. or Iman, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't think, she's got some acting she's got stuff. Some small credits. She basically has Dope and The Weeknd, Can't Feel My Face. Those are two acting credits, but everything else she appears as herself in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that one's a She's a model video. and music yeah. video type stuff. Yeah. Um, and I don't know about, um, uh, Malcolm is played by Shamik Moore. I think this is his first one, isn't first it? First film. My God, that um, kid is just from the very start. Is amazing. He totally captures this nineties nerdish kind yes. of guy. And, you know, he's very meek and he's just, you know, a lot of times when he's confronted like uh, by Dom and the other, you can tell he gets very meek and mm-hmm. he's just kind of mumbles his words out. But then when he's with his friends, He's very laid back and having fun and trash talking. And then when he's with his band, you know, he's full of it. I mean, he just really carries the range and was super, super believable yeah. in that role and just fantastic. I mean, he's a he's an actor to watch. Yeah. And he was uh, I think he only did some small, like weird comedy cin- or uh, Cartoon Network or something. Yeah, let's weird see. Stuff. He's been on House of Pain. Uh, read between the lines, the elf story, the elf on the shelf doing uh, just a couple of voices, voice work there. Joyful Noise, Incredible Crew, the TV series. That's he's on what, several episodes yeah. of that. But you know what he's going to be in his next work yeah. is in Lance Berman's uh, rap thing he's doing. Which is what? Uh, the Get Down. Or... Oh, is that that's a TV show? Yeah. That's Baz the, Luhrmann is yeah, doing Yeah, Baz that? Luhrmann's thing. Oh, that's, okay. He's like the star of that. Wow, now. okay. Yeah. Well, I, the, I definitely want to watch this because really seriously, uh, this kid, and I say kid, and I don't know how old I don't, he is. I don't even know how he's, <laughs> uh, let's see his full biography here. It doesn't even have his birth date on here. Born in Atlanta of Jamaican descent. That's all it has. Um, has his height. Doesn't have his birthday. But man, this kid is good. Yeah, he's wonderful. And his, I his... know a lot of people are are really, you know, pointing to um, 
uh, Michael B. Uh, Jordan. Jordan yeah. as like this really good up and coming young, young actor. People need to be watching mm-hmm. this kid because if he plays his cards right and people see dope, I think he will land a bunch of other oh movies my gosh. so super quickly. His, his range in this film yeah. is absurd, especially when, you know, this is certainly a coming of age story. Yes, it is. And watching him go from this first line of dialogue, very confident, talking mm-hmm. to his mom about really geeky things, mm-hmm. gets out on the street. Mm-hmm. He just like, sh- like there's times like, I can't even understand what he's saying because he's yeah. just like really soft mumbling, and quiet yeah. and mumbling. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the whole film, he just continually like gets this swagger around mm-hmm. people and just gets mm-hmm. more boisterous confident. and everything. Yeah, yeah. And throughout the whole, it was just fantastic. He is 20 years old, born in oh, 1995. Wow. So, geez, yeah. that's amazing. And yeah. then uh, his friend Jib, played by Tony uh revelori who is the best uh bellboy or hotel lobby oh, kid that's where i was wondering i was like all through the movie i was like yeah. where the hell have i seen this kid where if i see we did him? that same thing last night i was looking through the cast i'm like he was in grand budapest oh he's the best lobby boy oh now those three and then uh the girl uh diggy mm-hmm. um again just uh, really great acting by it. now diggy i think the girl who played diggy and i was trying to find her here Kiersey uh, Clemens. Yeah. Clemens. She's had a lot more acting experience uh, than the others. Yeah. And again, I thought she did a bang up job. Yeah. Hers, hers was great. Her, her writing was so like tight and mm-hmm. quippy, mm-hmm. Uh, especially when they got around uh, that Blake Anderson character right. doing all the drugs and stuff. It right. was so good. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about her is that she in the movie is uh, her character is um, a lesbian. Yeah. And, she dresses like a boy, and so mm-hmm. one of the running gags is people are always mistaking her for <laughs> a boy yeah. until she starts talking. Or in one scene where she lifts up her shirt to try to get into a bar, right. into the club. <laughs> now, Good scene. I should point out though, she does not show her breasts. Mm-mm. We don't see that, but there is nudity in this movie. Yes, uh, Lily, Lily uh, Chanel, uh, who's a model, uh, Iman, yeah, is a model. She gets totally naked in this. Yes, and she also throws up on Malcolm, which is a great. Wait, scene. oh gosh. Yeah, see, this, this movie was so, like, sporadically, absolutely hilarious. Yeah, and what the funny thing was, I mean, when we look at the direction, to be able to jump back from very intense moments, mm-hmm. like the gunfight in the, in, the, uh, in the club and Malcolm and everybody trying to get out, mm-hmm. to these very quiet moments where he's in the car with um, uh, N- uh, Nakia, uh, where he's just kind of mumbling, he's like, will you, will you go to prom with me? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, no, I won't. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, you're just, and then, you know, um, to scenes where it's just a big music video where the craziness of, you know, uh, this chase scene that's happening mm-hmm. through the streets of, of uh, Los Angeles as, as they're trying to get away from the, um, the bad guys, I guess. Oh, we'll yeah, just those call guys, them. yeah. Uh, it is just all over the place, but it is a very super coherent story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, just the... The idea from the director to go that way and pull it off effectively, yeah, I think is very cool. Especially when, because we're in a smaller, smallish neighborhood, um, we see the characters crossing with one another mm-hmm. uh, several times. Like for example, when they're trying to get away, uh, they get on a bus and drop off the phone that the bad guys are tracking them with. The bad guys stop the bus. Bus happens to be driven by his mom, right? Later in the movie, at the end, towards the end of the movie, um, when he's having to decide what to do, his mom picks him up at the bus stop and drives him home. And then you make that secondary connection. Oh, yeah, that is his mom. So, right, right, right. You know, just these a lot of crossing over of mm-hmm. characters and stories and, and those kinds of things, I think, work really well. And uh, so the script is well done. I think the directing is superb. The acting is superb. 
Um, the music is fantastic. And oh, gosh, yeah. if you're a fan of, you know, late 80s, early 90s into early 2000 uh, rap and hip hop, there's a lot of this in here. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. And at the end, when the whole credits are running over the Humpty Dance yeah. and, um, and uh, Malcolm is dancing the whole time, uh-huh. it's so funny. It's I, so good. To get ready, I, I, would turn, I uh, pulled up the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So I was jamming to that on the way over here because oh, it's to so the Humpty good. Dance? No, just like just the whole album. Oh, okay. The whole soundtrack for the film it has got all like the mm-hmm. you know the that decade yeah, of yeah. rap on there. Yeah. So it's so good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know what I've really found incredible, especially now that you read that synopsis, is how complicated this film is. Especially when they start doing you know flashbacks, just like you said, with the character. It's yeah, complicated. It's very right? complicated because you know they're doing. Uh, like right in the very beginning, you get uh, a weirdly dark, humorous scene. Where they talk about how anyone you could get shot anytime, right? right. And they have White yeah, Tony yes. in line playing yes. his old Nintendo, yes. and he just gets just and dropped. The, and then he gets, you know, the, it's at a burger place, which we go back to, to later in yeah. the in the oh, in the movie. Right. It's the we same do. hamburger restaurant or the that same gets burger joint up again. <laughs> yes, and it's like, oh yeah, Tony uh, got killed, and the worst part was he was about to defeat whatever the Something, main yeah. boss is <laughs> on some friends. game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. It, it's very deep, very complicated. I I cannot say enough about how good this movie is. Yeah. So, what do you think the technical aspect of it? Because I think right away the first thing that came out to me was the editing of the film. Yeah, very tight. Where there is a lot of tight editing, mm-hmm. and then they do a lot of interesting edits. Uh, like in the, you know, they do a lot of like uh freeze frames. They do a lot of that mm-hmm. in there, but then they do really weird, like. I don't even know how to describe it. Just crazy jumps. Give an example. Uh, you know, when they're in the club and mm-hmm. the fight's going on, mm-hmm. and they do those like weird pauses. They're like, almost like staticky images oh, or something. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't yeah. even know how to describe it, but they were like so almost off-putting, but they kind of get you for this crazy, Yeah, for what's going on and how you're... Situation. You know, sometimes when you're, things are happening and are tense, things slow down, and mm-hmm. you're only remembering these little bits and pieces. So I think yeah. any kind of jumpiness there, I think, only heightens oh, a lot of the, the tension that's yeah. going on. Because, again, that scene starts out with a drug deal going wrong with another rival drug dealer coming in and shooting up. And then you cut to already police entering the the club. Right. And everybody's already scattered on the floor and, and doing stuff. And that's like within seconds of one another. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of time compression going on there. Um, yeah, I mean, there there's a little bit of a heist uh, type editing in here because of the nature of having to take down AJ, who's the big bad right. uh, guy. Um, I think, did somebody say that this was, um, I don't know, there are themes of black exploitation movies that kind of run in here a little bit. Mm. Um, there are, you know, certainly music video plays a big influence in this a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, I, I everything is, I mean, really they do good. a lot of time warping cause you know, yes. there's the Malcolm going, uh, excuse me, with Lily mm-hmm. and then he sees Lily brothers drive through yes. and they do a whole rewind mm-hmm. back to the burger joint mm-hmm. to actually show what happened there to mm-hmm. lead up to Malcolm going. And, and that then, may be, I mean, because they... Okay, they don't rely when they're doing these time jump things and doing flashbacks because after Malcolm has sex with Lily, mm-hmm. he comes back and, you know, she's saying, hey, turn around. We're going to have sex or whatever. Go get the condoms. Right. And then it's like we cut right to afterwards mm-hmm. and he's coming out of the bathroom and he's like, well, where's, where's my backpack? And right. then he flashes back to him talking to her about what was in the backpack. And then we jump back forward in time where he's looking for her Mm -hmm. and then he finds her, uh, 
snorting the molly in the yeah. bathroom and, and getting crazy and then everything that happens there. So that was a little disjointed yeah. as well. Um, I think if the movie suffers from from anything in the editing is sometimes that type of storytelling, they're not consistent in how they use the device. So mm-hmm. Oftentimes when we see like uh, jump back in time, it's black and white or we see a flash frame or in the right. case here at the uh, car chase where we do the rewind. Um they do all of those. Yeah, they do all of them. And they're not and so there's not this consistency that we as an audience watching this hold as, oh, okay, now we're seeing something that happened before, or now mm-hmm. we're seeing something that happened at this point. We, oftentimes that repetition helps the audience right. understand what's going on. And so if there is a failing, that would probably sure. be Sure. You know, because you don't like if you think of a memento, there was always yes. like a, a a thing to break, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. oh, we just went back or forward. Right. I don't know. Minuto was weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're absolutely right because there is so many methods for time distortion in the film. Especially, you know, there's the montage of right. the ending, mm-hmm. uh, which was which was so well done because it was so out of nowhere. Except and, that, and again, I didn't know what, you know, this whole, this whole soliloquy at the end where he's addressing the audience and breaking the fourth wall. I'm like, right. okay, so is he filming his message to harvard his application right. to harvard is he just filming it and then there's a scene where he's got this microphone in front of him the entire time no mic cable on the mic yeah. and i was like ah that uh, totally no. took me out of the moment um so there are those kinds of things that yeah. happen but for the crew that they had and the cast that they had they had a budget of seven hundred thousand dollars for this so less wow. than a million dollars on this movie it's pretty good and they stretched that as far as they yeah. could go and if you think about it they had Limited sets. Mm-hmm. They didn't do a whole lot of location stuff. Nope. Um, you could probably name on your hands the six actual physical interior locations that they had in this piece. Um, they did limited on street stuff, or if it was, I'm going to bet it's within the same couple of blocks. I'm sure. Uh, movie made over $17 million. So a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Straight out of Compton and how mm-hmm. this was a lower-budget movie. Now, this is a micro-budget movie. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that this one made, what is that? 10, 20, almost 20 times its uh, budget. Yeah. Yeah, I think people are going to look at more movies like this more seriously in the future Mm -hmm. instead of brushing them off. So for Dope, even though you said at the Sundance Film Festival uh, and at Park City or at uh, Sundance, a lot of nobody wanted to pick the movie up. Mm -hmm. With the success of Straight Outta Compton now, more people will be looking at movies like Dope it's not going to help dope out here, <laughs> uh, but they're going to be looking at movies like dope to see what mm-hmm. can we do with that, especially when it has a huge turnover like this yeah. for very little money. And, you know, $700,000, that's nothing. Yeah. I mean, right? th- these are the kind of projects you see that directors do something big afterwards because right. they're like, oh, you did that with $700,000 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you made not only a a critically acclaimed film, mm-hmm. but one that generated a crap ton of profit for everyone that right. invested into it. Yeah. Yep. We're going to give you a lot of movies. That's why, you know, uh, Ava DuVernay who directed, uh, Selma, mm-hmm. not a small budget. Again, probably, a, I would say probably comparable budget to straight out of Compton, maybe less mm-hmm. of a budget. Um, especially coming out in what January, December, January mm-hmm. when it came out. Uh, that's why she was in the talks to do Marvel movies because yeah, yeah. one, the film was amazing mm-hmm. and she did, uh, incredible work with a smaller budget. And so that's what he's, 
Yeah, no, that's cool. I, I'm looking at uh, the director, Rick uh, Famuyiwa. Yeah. He's a Nigerian-American Hollywood writer and director. He has worked on The Wood from 1999, which is one of those romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. And um, he also did Brown Sugar in 2002, which, again, another um, romantic comedy. Right. Uh, His work, right, I expected to see some, like, time consistency to his work. But there yeah. seemed to be large gaps in it mm-hmm. recently, which I found really strange that he didn't really seem to be doing much. He has a film about, looks like every three years. So The Wood was in 99, Brown Sugar was 2002, five years later, Talk to Me, three years later, Our Family Wedding, uh, five years later, Dope, Confirmation is the uh, latest one that's an original HBO movie. Mm. So, yeah, so it, it could just be because he's working in smaller budgets and yeah. you know, when you look at um, Brown Sugar and those, those are... Uh, again, smaller budget films uh, that have producers like, uh, in the case of, um, um, I forgot, uh, in the case of uh, um, Brown Sugar, yeah. that one is produced by Michael uh, or Magic Johnson and Peter Heller. So again, you're not going to a big studio to get mm-hmm. this, but again, yeah. Magic Johnson has a lot of money. Sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, you have, and that was an $8 million movie. So he's doing okay mm-hmm. as a director, but I, I, you're right. I think maybe he'll have some more stuff pop up if he, if he wants to do it. And that's the sure. other thing, too, is yeah. maybe he's comfortable with mm-hmm. where he's at and maybe making a movie every couple of years. And, and some maybe, directors need to move from project to project to project so yeah. they can get as much money as they can and do as many projects as they can. Maybe he's somebody that is comfortable just doing a movie every couple of years when he finds something that he really likes. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true. I mean, he maybe – as I don't know what the case was for – Brown Sugar or The Wood or anything he's done before, but on this one he wrote and directed it. So I don't know mm-hmm. if he was. Uh, I don't have his yeah, on, on Brown Sugar, he was the, he wrote the screenplay. The Michael Elliott wrote the story in the okay. screenplay. And uh, Talk to Me, uh, he was, it was also written by him yeah. and Michael uh, Gannett. Oh. So, so maybe um, he only likes doing stuff he writes, yeah, which, maybe. which can really spread out yeah. how many projects you're doing and, mm-hmm. you know, the frequency mm-hmm. of that. And, you know, obviously they said that this was pitched to studios, but. It, a lot of his films seem to be not really bought up by studios or, uh, you know, funded by studios initially mm-hmm. by the distribution. Yep. Um, so maybe that's just the way he prefers yeah. to work. He did go to USC, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, he's got a double major in the semantic arts, film and television production, and cinematic arts uh, critical studies, which is cool. I also think he went to the Sundance uh, Institute or whatever. They, they know oh, that, yeah. Like, he was the Sundance Director's Lab. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, this movie, yeah. So this movie was... I mean, but you said the only thing that you would would probably be a little bit more, I would say maybe just a little bit more consistency in how you're showing those flashbacks. Uh, Or, you know, the couple of ways you could do that is from one character's point of view, the flashback should be consistent. Mm -hmm. If you're showing another character having a flashback, you could use another technique, but you'd have to be consistent with that. That would be my, my criticism. Not to say that that really ruined this movie because no. after I watched it, I mean, it was like when the credits were rolling, I messaged you and said, "Do you watch Dope yet?" Yeah, because <laughs> it's really good. And I think it was like almost midnight or something. It was. So, so it's like ah, I don't care if you're asleep no. or not. But uh, yeah, this is a good movie. I, I think people should go check it out. It's uh, small budget stuff, and I like talking about small budget stuff like we Absolutely. did with Slow West and others. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that uh, in the future. What are your final thoughts on this movie? Uh, I loved it. I think. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite films I've watched oh, yeah? recently. Oh, like okay. I really, really dug it. Well, one of it is because I love uh, like hip hop and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so that's a big thing with it. And seeing 
that you know they talked about comparing it to uh, John Hughes movies, or there's a there's eh, coming I think of there's age a little feature, bit. Yeah, I think there's a little you know John Hughes influence. There, and sure. you know the John Hughes movies I thought were great, especially uh, Breakfast Club, which right. is really the only one mm-hmm. I've seen. Um, but this one, if I'm going with uh, you know coming of age films for my time period, this one kind of hits it more than. Um, the Breakfast Club for me specifically because of the character Malcolm who's caught in between this geek uh, thing mm-hmm. and trying to be pulled in this other way which I can relate to as being like this weird nerdy kid in high school uh, okay. maybe being pulled with sports and yeah, stuff Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that certainly resonates with me um, but I really really enjoyed this film I've already gone back and started wa- re-watching different oh, cool. scenes in the beginning and I want to I like haven't what, what's in the iTunes extras with this uh, not much just oh, okay. like a like two three minute things about the music and oh, about okay. how it's right. cool yeah, essentially, no, you, you can I, I see Pharrell in really weird. It's like Pharrell took uh, John Lennon's fan. glasses and yeah. a Elton John shirt, <laughs> and that's how he did all of his interviews for the extras. Oh, but he's not wearing his Arby's hat. No, not wearing oh, the okay. Arby's hat, unfortunately. Which I think he should just wear all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, good movie. I, I do want to watch. I do want to watch it again. I just haven't had a chance. Uh-huh. I was going to. This weekend, but I just again, yeah, we busy. got wrapped up doing other things and watching other things, and and this one has slipped off. But it's definitely on movies that I want to watch again in the next six months. It's mm-hmm. up there on the list. Oh, sure. probably in the top five movies that I'll rewatch in the next. It's going to be months. one of those movies that I'm going to push on every one of my friends to go watch, <laughs> and they're probably going to get really annoyed because I'm not going to stop talking to them uh, about watching Dope until they actually watch it, so we can yeah. discuss it. Yep. Uh, so I loved it. Um, but that's you know that's our discussion for this week. Next week. I think we're heading back to the theater, aren't we, Stephen? Let's see. Next week is, let's see, uh, Pan is this weekend. Steve Jobs, we talked about before, it's only opening in nine screens in New York and L.A. Right. On the 16th, it's The Bridge of Spies. That's the uh, Steven Spielberg movie with Tom Hanks oh, in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of people are talking about that. So we have, when was the last time we did a Steven Spielberg movie? Um, the last one we Raiders did was Close Encounters. Close Encounters. Yeah, we never did Indiana Jones. In I would not be, I wouldn't be opposed. I mean, I'm not sure I'm really super interested in Bridge of Spies. Yeah. Uh, but the other one that comes out next week is Crimson Peak, which Ooh, is the horror movie yeah. from Guillermo del Toro. And uh, I think that's what we're going to watch. Both of those are going up against one another. One from Buena Vista, Tele- or Buena Vista, which is Disney essentially. Yeah. And Universal with Crimson Peak also coming out next week is the uh, kids horror comedy Goosebumps with Jack Black, oh, which the man. boys the boys have already decided that they want to go see. Oh, really? Yes. Are they familiar with the work of uh, R.L. Stein? Mason is because he's read, I want to say maybe six of the books. Oh, wow. Okay. My wife doesn't care for him because um, he would have to, uh, like last year, <laughs> as he was getting built up on reading, one mm-hmm. of the exercises was you have to read out loud. And oh. she read the, they read the mannequin one, <laughs> yeah. uh, whatever that mannequin's one is. And she got creeped out by it. She's like, those books are horrible. <laughs> And so we were at the we were at Salina, and they already had a poster up. This was like several months ago, yeah, uh, maybe in June or July. Uh, we were at uh, another mall, and they had a big standee for Ghost Goosebumps. Mm-hmm. And Mason was like, "Oh, we're going to go see that. <laughs> when does that come out?" I said, "Probably around ha- Halloween." And sure yeah. enough, uh, next week, uh, the sixteenth, Goosebumps will arrive from Sony Columbia, and that's about it for next week that I'm looking at that. Uh, catch people's attention there's eight films to die for i have no idea what that's about that's a horror film all things oh. must pass which is a documentary the assassin which is an action drama beasts of the of no nation oh is that that that's a netflix one beasts of no nation yeah, yeah netflix movie yeah but that's not releasing same time as on netflix is it is it doing netflix because it says it's in a limited release 
But I'm, I'm pretty sure that they're doing. I thought Netflix. they were doing something Netflix and theaters Theater at the same, same time, time, so that they yeah. could qualify for a, um, you know, like an Oscar. Oscar. Yeah, mm-hmm. I bet so. Uh, you know, one thing I've been reading reading a lot about that I want to watch is the Robert Zemeckis The Walk. But I only want to watch one about the one with the guy who did the walk between the twin towers. Oh yeah, yeah, Joseph yeah, yeah. Gordon Levitt doing yes, a really uh-huh. weird French accent. Mm-hmm. But I really only want to watch it in the IMAX 3D to see so if I can get, get the vertigo, <laughs> the vertigo, and see if I throw up like yeah. people seem to be doing. Yeah. So it's uh, looks like we're doing Crimson Peak Crimson next Peak week. Next week, which would be great because the horror films that we've done on this show uh, there haven't been many. Uh-uh. First off, and the last one we watched was Poltergeist, which, which was not was a horror blah. film at all. Um. And really, did we ever watch in the classic films? Did we ever watch very many horror movies? It def- depends which to define as horror. I mean, today I you might Alien. you might look at uh, that would be some people would consider sci-fi. that sci-fi. We yeah. watch Psycho. Some people today would call that a horror. Oh, but it yeah, was more of we, a yeah. thriller. thriller. You know, thriller is that that genre. Uh, we watched uh, Jaws, which some people mm-hmm. could be considered a horror movie. I yeah, guess that's true. so. Yeah, we haven't watched a whole lot of horror movies. Yeah. I would say that if people are looking for horror movies to watch, uh, one of our listeners sent us a uh, rundown of the movies that he is watching every day during October. You can find it over at Majorspoilers.com. It's called the Shocktober Horror Festival, I think is what the title of the Uh, the piece is. Cool. Um, You can find it in our our featured um, articles. Let me see if it just pops up here. Yeah, it's called Shocktober Movie Fest 2015. And some of these movies include um, The Last House on the Left, Scream, Puppet Master. Uh, further on the month, we have Eraserhead. <laughs> and uh, what else is in here? The Blair Witch Project. So, you know, there's a bunch of stuff in here. If you want to get some horror movies sure. going on in the month of October, you can find that over at Majorspoilers.com. Just do a search for Shocktober Movie Fest 2015, and you will find that list there. So great. Let's uh let's get scared at the theater next week. Steven. No, I'm scared. Oh, I'll hold your hand. Well, if it's your hand. Okay. Yeah, my hand. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Zach on Film. You know what you need to do right now, everyone? Go over to majorspoilers.com, find this podcast posting page. Uh go watch Dope and then go over there, I guess. Give all your thoughts about that film. And maybe you saw it in theaters, maybe you're one of the lucky people that got to see it there. Uh, give your thoughts and feedback on the topics we discussed this episode or just any other things that pop in your mind while watching Dope. While you're there, head over to Amazon.com through the link at Major Spoilers. Uh, you can probably pre-order your Blu-ray copy of Dope, I'm guessing. Uh, it's available now oh, look on at that. the shop video. Uh, or this is a watch instantly. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's available. See, uh, Blu-ray. It's also available on Blu-ray for twenty four eighty four, And uh, it's got that prime check mark next to it. Heck, so you know yeah. If you're also into the music side of it, dope music from the motion picture explicit by various MP3 downloads. Um, there you go. There, it's all I like there. Amazon's Amazon. music store. Uh, that's only going to cost you a little bit. You know, 24 for a Blu-ray, not a bad deal. Nope. And you can use that Amazon.com link at Major Spoilers. Not going to cost you any extra. You're still going to go for that nope. same great Amazon price. Get yep. that free Prime shipping. Uh, but a little bit will come back to Major Spoilers when you use the Amazon that way. I used it at work the other day. Bought a bunch of Polaroid film. Used the all link. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Do my part. Excellent. Do your part, everybody. Uh, But that's it for this week's episode of Zach on Film. See you next week. This podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. 
Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save 